0: there's dudes in my platoon from all different backgrounds all over the country. And for us to like perform at the levels that we did, uh, it just reinforced in me like a belief of that, like anything, like you could fucking do anything. Right. And while this was happening, like this was my job and this is what I was doing every day. That like belief in nothing is impossible was, like, always in my mind.
1: Welcome to the Sonica Project, hosted by myself, Travis Marshall, and Pat Forstall. The purpose of our show is to talk with those that have inspired us and discuss challenges in life, past and present. We hope these stories push you to chase new challenges and press on. Overall, we hope to build a community that lives out our mantra of someday never comes. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show.
0: right. well, I feel like before we start going i gotta get a i just gotta get a little check in with you guys like what's up where are you guys at
2: uh, yeah i mean we so we did the when we record the we recorded our first episode like what two weeks ago now um yeah, yeah. which was like pretty fun to get that going and then we ran in the 50 mile race this past weekend um dude i don't know i'm, I'm good right now i'm in like a, a good headspace like got beat down on saturday uh was like yeah, I, I can't i crossed the finish line and i told travis and all, everyone else who was standing there i was like yeah i don't think dude i'm glad i slept on it. i was literally walking my dog monday morning and i was like dude i think i could i think i could cut off like a couple hours like i started already <laughs> I, 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 dude I, it's Fuck just yeah, like yeah dude it's uh dude it's psycho dude it's so mental i mean i i couldn't even run for like seven hours so for like seven hours i was just like, you know, h- humping it. And, like, no music, raining on me, no one near me, just, like, just like so mental. It was – I mean, so, I don't know. I'm. It's been – I've been limping around the last week, got some swelling in my leg, and just, I don't know, man. I'm in a good spot.
0: It was raining. Yeah, it, it
1: was Did It rain so the
0: entire that time. You don't even get to those, like, points where – you could just like find yourself in a moment of like bliss where you're like looking around like, Oh, that's a cool, like hill or trees. It's just like vision is fucking interrupted. Mm -hmm. All you have is your thoughts. Dude,
2: You get to to this lookout where you're supposed to be able to see this beautiful North Georgia mountains. And it was just fog. You couldn't see anything. And they're all. And I was like, "Oh, this is like." I turned to the. People. They robbed you of that joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like turned to the aides there. I was like, "Oh, so this is like the lookout you guys talk about?" They're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I'm like, "There's nothing to see here." Like, There's no
1: lookout here. Yeah. <laughs> it was
0: what a sick joke.
1: Paul is wild. Like the the clouds. We we're basically like running through the clouds for most of it, and you know, I I remember stopping and like kind of looking at the trees. <laughs> And what what you could probably see was like mountains in the, in the background, but it was just trees and like these clouds, and the clouds were like coming through the trees. And I got like thrown back. I was like, "Whoa,
0: yeah." yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, this is
1: not like normal right now."
0: <laughs> yeah, like a almost like hallucinating.
1: I, yeah, it I, it really was like hallucinating. It was crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. But it, you know the the calmness of the brain dropping and everything. It felt. it it was it was kind of nice you know really yeah just kind of go in your own own little cocoon and like kind of uh just experience what you're going through which is fun
0: yeah that's freaking sick dude i'm so stoked you guys did that uh so you're you're gonna do another or like maybe a longer one or what
1: (laughs) i don't know if pat's
0: into it but I think it's been. I mean, I to dude, a you said you're gonna shave a couple hours off your time. What the fuck? I, I mean, <laughs>
2: I will. I'll do something again. You know, I think in my head, I'd always thought like a hundred was like the natural progression. <laughs> yeah. Hundred is. I mean, I gotta, do I gotta give so much respect to those people. Like a hundred is insane. Um, dude, it's no, like just... it's it's insane. I mean, you just gotta move. You gotta keep moving for uh, like you know twenty four hours. Like it's just you gotta move. Um, yeah, it'd be maybe some point I also realize too, man, like I've been, I've been putting a lot of, I've been like, Oh, I got to do this stuff now, now, now. Like if I don't do an Ironman now, like I'm never going to do it. If I don't do a 50 miler now, like when am I going to do it? Which I think is good to have that impetus, like kind of some fire in you same time too. Yeah. It's like, give yourself some credit, understand that like you can, you know, you can space some things out. And like, I've been in the weight room the last five days, just lifting. And I'm like, all right, yeah, it's nice to like, it's nice to take those breaks too and like push yourself, you know what I'm saying? So I definitely will do something again. I don't know when it could be soon. It could be a little bit. It's fun to just kind of explore and see like, as long as you're putting I don't know. as long as you're like putting out towards something, I think you're, 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 you're good. Just hold yourself accountable.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it, it just fires me up so much. Like, um, obviously both of you doing this, but, for pat especially like just coming from navy football and being 300 and what were you 320
2: 330 yeah um, uh, yeah like three between that yeah
0: <laughs> like <laughs> you have to lose the weight to graduate and everybody does it uh some do it better than others and then you know when they leave the academy it's like you know, shit loosens up. The standards aren't as high. Um, depending on where you go, but for most people, it's not as high wherever they do end up going and they just fall back, you know, and they put a lot of that weight back on and it sucks because like, you know, they, they did it and like they're capable of it and they're capable of keeping it off and, and you know, living healthier fuck dude. I don't know any other <laughs> I don't know anyone running fifty mile races, bro. <laughs> like I'm trying to think if I know anyone. I don't even think like Brendan has done anything more than a marathon. Brendan do yeah. that. Yeah dude, it's I funny. saw. I was
2: talking to him last week. He messaged me. He's like, oh dude like he was like, what are you doing? And I told him he's like, oh we gotta talk. Like
1: I'm 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 trying to do an ultra so I gotta talk to Yeah.
2: I gotta talk to Bull.
1: Dude I remember oh, Brent... last summer I was in I was in line oh, yeah. for a uh there's a half iron man and i hear like yo travis I'm like the fuck knows me around here i turn behind me it's the dudek brothers i was like you got yeah. me I'm kidding me man <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, i love it dude yeah they're crushing he's it man they, they nice. crushed that race so yeah
2: yeah they're dude those guys are nuts i mean uh, Ed, paul,
1: you- paul that's a that's a good point i mean pat what do you think for you you know what what kept you on that trajectory of like keeping the weight off and like continuing to, you know, challenge yourself in a physical manner. Like what think, was it that kind of separates you from the other ones? I guess I don't. I,
2: I mean, the one I have, I mean, I've thought about it. Um, I mean, I think it's just like, what's in a sense, it's like what standard you you hold yourself to. And like, and the I I don't know, the people you surround yourself with. Right. So like, for instance, for me, I've always really held in a high regard, like Navy football and the brotherhood and like, I, never wa- I just, like, never want to leave those people down. So when people look at me, they're like, oh, you played football at Navy? I want to be like, yeah, and, like, feel confident that I'm representing the brotherhood well. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of – I mean, I, I don't know, man. I just think, yeah, it's really important to me. Um, just want to kind of be able to back up, like, the legacy. That's
1: awesome. I mean, yeah, the, the like, hold – the ability to hold up and not not let people down is pretty pretty awesome. I mean, Quest, like, did you ever feel anything like that when you were – like when you're heading into the NFL, like we're thinking about going into the NFL. Did you, feel, did you feel that pressure?
0: I mean, big time because it's like kind of the same thing with Pat saying like it, Navy football is so important to me, still is important to me, but like at that stage in my life, you know, when I was playing ball at Navy, it was like, that was where I was making, I, I wouldn't say a transformation every day, but like. I was in a transformation process of, like, becoming a man. Uh, And by the end of it, I felt like I was ready for what was next. And what was next was, like, dude, you're going to be a platoon commander for a platoon of Marines. Like, you better be a fucking good man, you know? Um, And everyone comes out of Navy football, like, feeling that in some former fashion you know i didn't it wasn't like i went into the marine corps and was like all right i'm going to play in the nfl as soon as i can like i i had thoughts like i could maybe something could happen for me with the nfl down the road but right now i'm doing this and uh, ultimately like when i did make that decision like hey i'm gonna get out i'm gonna leave active duty and figure out a way into the nfl that was huge for me like the legacy of the brotherhood. And it was like, but at the same time, it was like, not something I wanted to talk about. Like, I wouldn't avoid it. I, I actually I'd, I would avoid it. But if it came up, like in conversation, because it, it naturally does like, oh, Paul, I heard you were getting out. Like, What's the plan? You know? And you're just like, Fuck. because now I got to talk to someone who may or may not support it, whether they know or they whether they know they're giving off like a certain yeah type of energy when I bring up that next step. Oh yeah. It's, it's like pretty evident, like whether or not they even believe in it or think you're delusional. Um, So I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to like, I didn't want to see those negative reactions from people. Yeah. But, and not to say that, you know, there are any less of my friends or anything, but it just sucks when you see, someone that you're really close to that you you love you know deeply and you tell them you're gonna go and you're gonna pursue this dream and uh rightfully so like they look at you like dude what the fuck are you talking about like you're not gonna do that nobody does that uh so like no harm against them but i just had a different view of what was possible and uh a lot of that came from navy football And even more of that came from my time in the Marine Corps, like, leading the platoon of Marines. And just, I used to tell them all the time, like, the only reason why I'm standing in front of you guys, like, why I'm calling the shots, why I'm in charge, is because I was a little bit better than most of you guys at football in high school. And if I didn't get a scholarship to play at the Naval Academy, like, I would have fucking probably (laughs) ended up, I don't know, enlisting and, and being yeah. I would have been you looking at me.
1: Dude, that's actually and, like that's incredible that you're like so you'd stand up in front of them and say that?
0: Oh totally. Like
1: just full honesty. I mean, dude, like that? I was
0: I was like academically unqualified as it gets to go to the naval academy too. <laughs> uh I think I it was my GPA was a, like my final GPA was like a two point one something. Um I was unsat definitely over 50 percent of the time um academics was like my biggest fight at the academy by far if I could go back I would definitely apply myself more and try to like get the most out of the education uh definitely did not apply myself the way I should have but I, I wouldn't have done anything different you know like right? I mean
2: football football is kind of like everything everything then.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, if I had some big papers test or something and, you know, we were playing, whoever we were playing that week, it didn't even matter. Um, We
2: we used to have, like, six weeks exams were always during Air Force week. And then, like, 12 weeks were always during, like, Notre Dame week. It was, like, clockwork. Every single season come up and we'd be, like, dude, we're getting ready for, like, two of the biggest games of the year. We had, like, a final the day before.
0: Yeah. And I was, like, all right, fuck it. I don't even (laughs) care. (laughs) Like, whatever happened on this final, dude. Like... If I bomb it, like I don't care. I'll be upset. I'll, you know, I'm focusing on the game. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't change anything because, I mean, like going back to what we were talking about earlier, like the legacy of Nate football, like that's way more important to me. The people that counted on me, the people that I counted on while we were playing ball, like those are the guys that they're my best friends in the world. And that's who you know, made me who I am. And I hope maybe I made them a little bit of who they are, but I think it was mostly me being a better person from being a part of Navy football. Um, Yeah, man, like the legacy and, and just like going out and finding a way to get something like really hard done that, that was important to me at Navy football. And then going on to that next chapter as well, like, I, if I'm going to do this, like, I'm going to fucking do it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I want everyone who is still kind of in tune with football or just uh, like a fan in general, like, to would be like, holy shit. Like, how cool is that? You know, whether I know him or not, like, I just think it'd be inspirational in a way. Like, how the fuck did this guy do that? You know? And, and then maybe digging a little deeper, maybe, or maybe just having like good awareness to understand like, like what what that guy has accomplished and is still trying to do is is pretty damn impressive. To apply that like in their own life, you know, like, yeah, maybe they're doing like like that girl you guys are just talking about. You know, maybe she wasn't too stoked on the job that she was working and she was like not passionate about it. And she was like, you know, I I got an idea. I want to do something kind of that no one's been done before and. There is no blue blueprint. There is no real playbook to follow, but I believe in it and I think it's a good thing and I think it'll help a lot of people. And I love it. So I'm going to fucking do it. However, however, uh, it takes shape, like it's to be determined, but I'm just going to keep moving in that direction until, you know, we create the thing, uh, uh-huh. we accomplish the thing. So yeah, I guess I just answered that question in a crazy roundabout way, but
2: No, yeah, I mean, so you were talking about like how you you didn't want to share it with like some people because you didn't you just didn't even want to get that negative negativity in your life. And I think that's what's important <clears throat> with like with Travis and I right now is the idea of like building community and just kind of people that are gonna push you and inspire you to like chase after like those dreams. So for you, like who was important to to bring on board like who did you trust that would not be that negativity that would like push you and be like no nah, dog like you got to do this
0: um there's quite a few people but so the first people i told and not re- the it wasn't like i told them that i was going to do it it was like i have interest i think this is what i want to do kind of deal was my family Mm. my mom and dad and my brothers and you know my my family is so freaking awesome um my parents my my dad's a uh navy naval academy grad pilot flew in the navy for uh, a number of years flew a6 intruders and then went on to be a delta pilot and essentially like lived his dream his whole life um first one in his family go to college and Created the life for me and my brothers that, like, whatever we wanted to do, like, we were able to do it. And my mom, she's just rock started, like, just so dedicated to us as we were growing up and uh, taking us all over the damn place for practices and games. And, you know, we got three boys on three different teams and hooking us up with carpools and, you know, just doing the whole mom thing where we were always in where we needed to be on time straight up operations
1: um, officer right there
0: yeah dude and uh you know they they always supported me but it wasn't really like i remember i was i was on uh i was with jimmy Britton we're in, in the same unit like when we left ioc um jimmy and i were in the same unit and you know jimmy's my best friend and to be in the same unit with him was like fucking the best but yeah
2: how did they screw up oh, dude how did they mess up so bad to send you and jimmy to the same unit did, like so well, i can
0: good <laughs> so <question>. it's <laughs> funny because i i like convinced jimmy to put down california so like when you're at ioc it's it's like randomly i don't even know how they do it they tell us it's random you put in your preferences and they say there's no like it's not based on merit or anything it's just based on like availability now i think i think they try to like hook up the guys that, you know, are, are studs, I'm not saying that was us, but uh, yeah. it. But it's different every class. Like, there's a certain amount of openings in North Carolina, 29 Palms, Camp Pendleton, and Hawaii. And usually there's more openings in North Carolina. So, like, you're more guaranteed to get North Carolina if you put that down as your top choice. You know, so, like, you, you get a feel for, like, where everybody wants to go and a lot of guys want to go to north carolina brendan was already in north carolina and and joe was a 100 percent on north carolina because it's closer to his family and stuff joe jimmy and i were in the same ioc class brendan was one class before us yeah and just so people are aware like my 2015 navy football class brendan dudek joe worth jimmy Britton, and me those are like like we just got real close and yeah. some of my best friends and we kind of just like wanted to do everything together. Just do all the same shit. And so uh, Brendan was already in North Carolina. Joe was like dead set on North Carolina. Jimmy was like, I was dead set on not North Carolina and it was either Hawaii or Camp Pendleton and Camp Pendleton. I'm, I'm born and raised in Encinitas, California. And, uh, it's like this awesome little North County, San Diego beach town. Um, And I was like, yo, Jimmy, like you got to come to California with me, dude. Like I'm going to teach you how to surf and it's going to change your whole life. And he's like, fuck. Okay, dude. Like I'll do it. I'm, I'm, I'll am I'm, put it down. So he, he puts it down on his preferences. We both get California. And yeah, I just like, jimmy how to surf I, yeah i would take him to change his life surfing <laughs> well i would take him to beaches i mean it's a big promise dude yeah um because like i could half-ass it take him to the beach flop around in the water and be like hey dude like you're surfing <laughs> and, and then it's like you don't really get that experience where you because jimmy's he's just like me dude like we're we're so similar and connection that I have with surfing in the the ocean it's like it's hard to explain but it's such a special thing to who I am and I know that Jimmy could grasp that like I know that it would be a lifelong pursuit that he would just be so fired up on and um, so I, I, I came up with like a plan to like get Get Jimmy on a surfboard and make sure he learned the right way and learned all like the kind of unwritten rules of surfing and stuff. So when he went out and like surf waves that were kind of crowded, he wasn't like doing anything stupid where people were looking at him like, you know, hey, this guy's not behaving the proper way out here in the ocean. So fuck this guy. We're gonna burn him and take all his waves and make it just like terrible for him every time he surfs. So for months, I would take Jimmy to this beach. I, It's just this, it's part of the post that doesn't have a lot of access. So, like, you have to get, you park in the parking lot, and you walk down to the beach, and you walk south along the bluff quite a bit, and there's just nobody there, and the waves aren't good. But I convinced Jimmy it was, like, kind of a sick little spot, and I called it Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> and we would just go there, dude, for, like, months. And uh, I taught him. Because the emphasis was just like, hey, there's nobody here. You can catch every wave you see, and you just develop that. Like you're getting reps. Like yeah, you're you're hitting the sled. You know, over and over and over. And that's what we need. Like that's what you need right now because you need to build the fundamentals, and then we can progress that into better waves, and then introduce the crowd element and all that. But like, if you can't paddle out and catch a wave in an uncrowded beach like you ain't gonna do it when it went in a crowded spot with better waves so after a month yeah. of that and like testing out different boards and stuff he was he's was progressing pretty good and i was like all right cool now now we'll take you to other places and introduce you to some of the people and make sure everybody knows you and like you're kind of you know starting out but like also you know what's up like you know the rules and shit
1: yeah man paul so, what's what's up with surf culture man i'm not i don't surf i really want to yeah when I, when I move out to san diego i want to get into it but like i've heard that surf culture is like it's kind of brutal at times like if you don't know the ins and outs you're they'll come out there and just make your life a live in hell basically
0: yeah so it's uh it's really simple it's hard to grasp it's just all about respect yeah. and I would say, like, you treat a surf spot like it's somebody's home. And the people that surf there on a regular basis, uh, that's their home. And, like, if you aren't a part of it, you're more often than not welcome in their home. But you better, like, have some fucking respect being their guest, right? And so you have to learn the rules. And I won't get into the details of the rules because it's just kind of hard to explain but for the most part like if you know how to behave in as a guest to like thanksgiving dinner like it ain't your show dude like just enjoy the food and like have a good time talk to some people um yeah just just be a part of it and then you come back the next year and then you come back the next year and then before long like all right, now we can start giving this person jobs and, like, they can do the dishes or they can cook the freaking mashed potatoes and you kind of get brought (laughs) in, right? Yeah. So, like, you got to earn that over time. And uh, that was, like, my big thing with Jimmy because I know how aggressive and, like, how determined he is. I was like, dude, if you put this guy in a lineup with a bunch of really good surfers and you don't teach him anything, he's just going to be pissing everybody off because you're going to be trying to catch every wave and he doesn't know he's doing anything wrong and he's just... He's just trying to surf. I was like, this this will ruin it for him because every time he goes out, everyone's going to say, hey, dude, like, you see that fucking big tattooed jack-looking dude? Like, fuck that guy. Like, take every way from him. So I, I was really – I needed him to understand that so that it would be pleasant for him. And ultimately, you know, it was. And he got to a level that's, like, pretty damn impressive. Yeah, what's um, he
2: doing now? You got to tell everyone what like what like what he's been surfing lately.
0: Dude, he went on like when he got off active duty, he he went on like a 8 months, I think, of just going everywhere. Like Costa Rica, no, not Costa Rica. Uh Nicaragua, Morocco, Portugal. Fuck I, I mean, he's surfed in Hawaii a bunch yeah. and he's Spain, from Arkansas yeah he's from arkansas dude he's a country boy from arkansas now he's like a world traveling surfer yeah and uh yeah it's just so cool i mean jimmy has surfed better ways than i have and it pisses me off because (laughs) (laughs) i was like three years old bro
2: well dude Um, i kind of like want to take this where you're where you're going already and i obviously want to get back to like your family because that's i mean that's so huge but um you're talking about like the feeling you get surfing like is that you know this i feel like this is a meathead comment to make but like is that do you get that same feeling like playing football is there any similarity there is a totally different experience Uh,
0: dude
2: you know like in in surfing i feel like they talk a lot about like flow state right where you're just like yeah in in your element so
0: a hundred percent like the there's so many parallels but it's also so different
2: yeah um like in a but football, like, yeah. I'm just thinking of football when you're like, you know, you're just like locked in. You're reading everything like yeah. a book. Like you're just in sync.
0: Yeah. So football, I mean, you just can't ignore the team element. Like the dynamic yeah. of the team is everything. And once when everybody's clicking, it's like dude, there's nowhere else you'd rather be. Like you're going, you're out there. Everyone's doing their job, flying around, making plays, winning. Like just that's the that's awesome and yeah to be locked into that for 60 minutes is like no other feeling in the world but with surfing different because you're solo like you're not on a team if you're surfing with your friends it's cool to like see them get good waves and like kind of root them on and also like be like dang like he's surfing really good like i gotta i gotta step my shit up same thing with football like oh you're you know Buddy makes a play. You're like, oh, I think like, I got to get one now, and like a sack or a tackle for loss or something. But like you feed off each other in that way. But with surfing, you're always like every, when you enter the water, you're assessing everything that's going on around you. Like you're looking at the wind, you're looking at currents, you're looking at, you know, if I sit over up the beach, I can catch those waves and down the beach, I can maybe get some of those waves and try and just navigating so many variables and making decisions to ultimately put you in a position to catch the most and the best waves available so like even when you're not actually doing the, the form of surfing like on your feet riding a wave you're still uh, so in tune with what's going on around you like kind of meditative in a way and then when you get to your feet and you're actually surfing it's like all of that heightened and it's yeah it's a cool feeling man like you just get to your feet and you just flying you just hauling ass on this wave <laughs> you're just uh totally encapsulated by the moment um and that's what i wanted to share with jimmy because it's so hard to find that kind of flow state i guess uh in life and you know with all the distractions in the world today like um getting that ability to have like a reset and just drop everything and just go pay attention to your surroundings and ride some waves. Um, it's, yeah, it's hard to explain, but it's awesome. And I, I definitely think that you should get into it when you get out to San Diego.
1: Paul, do you think, uh, do you think Jimmy's success at surfing is solely based on his like uncanny ability to like adapt to it or was your coaching ability Did that have a lot to do with
0: it? not my coaching ability. It's 100% uh, Jimmy. Like, I'll tell people all the time who are like you, for example. Like, I will tell you right now what I tell everyone who's learned how to surf. I'm like, dude, you need to be prepared. Like, surfing will be one of the greatest things you could have in your life. But in order to get there, you need to be prepared to suck at surfing. For way longer than you suck at anything they have ever done. Like you're you're a phenomenal athlete. Like you played Division One college football. I bet you you go on any basketball court playing pickup. Like you'd be one of the best players. You could. You, are do you golf?
1: I'm getting into it. I want to say I all golf. Right, so like, you,
0: you you're working on the swing. Like you're making progress there. Like playing baseball. Like all the.
1: It does know, come easy. Yeah
0: yeah like all the traditional sports like someone shows you how to do something like shooting free throws you can go in the backyard and you know shoot 100 free throws every day and like get good at it but surfing you don't just have the ability to just like take reps because you have to go in the ocean and you have to catch waves so you could go surf for one hour and you could catch two waves if you're like if you're a you know a beginner So that's one hour of surfing and four seconds, four to 10 seconds of actually on your feet. So how does that translate to actually getting good at riding a wave? It's like, well, you got to put in more time to this than you put into anything else. And it's going to be frustrating because it's so counterintuitive to everything that, you know, as an athlete and like your progression and any other, you know, athletic endeavor that you set foot on. So, yeah, you just got to be prepared for that and, like, just don't let that discourage you because you will get to the other side of that and you're just like, okay, yeah, this is 100% worth it.
1: I mean, it's, like, it's very evident that you're, you have, like, an incredible passion for surfing. And, like, yeah, was I that know. in, like, a connection to the ocean? Was that something that came, like, immediately once you started surfing or was that, like, just built up through <laughs> those, you know, those four-second rides and, like, over the years you just kind of, like... Like, yeah, I am basically part of the ocean at this point.
0: I was, I learned to surf when I was real young. My, a lot of my family surfs, my dad, my uncles, um, and they're born and raised in San Diego. So it was just kind of part of our family. And then I learned when I was like three years old, but I kind of, I didn't really love it at that time. I just, my first memories of it were like being really cold i was a little you know little kid like scrawny and you know no meat on my bones and you go out in the pacific ocean even in the summertime it's cold and you get cold and salty and sandy and then you're like waiting for your uncles and your dad on the beach and you're just like get out let's get out of here you know (laughs) and uh go like put put on some warm clothes but then uh it wasn't until like sixth grade when I started going a lot, my mom would like take me to the beach with some of my my friends from elementary school. And, uh, that's when I really, cause in in between when I learned to surf and and then taking that break until like sixth grade, I was a big skateboarder. So I love skating and just running around the town, skating, whatever, (laughs) going to skate parks and, you know, breaking bones and stuff. And then that started kind of getting a little old and then that's when I got back into surfing and I was like, Oh yeah, this is so much better than skating. Just being in the water is just so refreshing and you're not breaking any bones, like landing on concrete and shit like that. So that was kind of when I fell in love with it, but I've always been, I've always been, I don't know. I don't want to sound like cocky, but I've always been gifted in the water, even before I learned to surf. Like I was probably not even two years old. I was like swimming to the bottom of the pool. My dad would drop his watch, toss it in the deep end of the pool. And I would dive down, get the watch come up. And I was just kind of a little freak in the water. Yeah. I think that's just kind of something I was fortunate enough to be born with. I don't think, you know, my parents were out there like trying to teach me how to dive to the bottom of the pool. They were just, they just found out one day that I could do it, you know? Um, So I think there's something to be said about that as far as, like, my level of comfort in the water. But, yeah, it wasn't until, like, sixth grade when I fell in love with it. And then I started to, you know, progress and really not not grasp, like, what it was for me. um, Like, what surfing meant to me, just knowing that I loved it. And then as the years have gone on and on and I've, like, reflected on it, that's when I'm coming to these realizations, like, Dude, this this is so much bigger than just going out and surfing. It's like kinda of just being in that place where you're you're not thinking about anything else. You're decompress- you're decompressing without even knowing it. And yeah. for guys like us it's it's hard to it's hard to take time to like decompress with things and like turn not not turn away but like turn off whatever it is that you're dealing with um you,
2: you can't take your phone out to the ocean
0: yeah you know? yeah totally but even like if you're dealing with some like mental stuff like yeah going through some shit you, you know i'm i've never been good at like i don't know figuring out yeah. ways to talk through that yeah uh, it's always kind of just been just bury it and keep going but surfing i don't know it's like a release it's like a pressure release like a yeah let that let that helium out of your system you know and just yeah i feel open like it up and let it gas out
2: i feel like that's what yeah that's what like i've been finding and running over the last like i guess i'll call it a year or two or whatever um i guess before that i was probably playing football you know you can actually like bang heads and stuff you can you can like physically release your energy and it's crazy yeah. to think that you stop playing football and like that's kind of gone unless you're you know doing some other kind of hand-to-hand sport like a jiu-jitsu or you're wrestling or whatever. And then, you know, because even in the weight room, like you can bang weights, but, you know, again, there's just, it's not that kind of flow of just releasing. I think that's where running or kind of doing anything where you're just moving forward uh through space, like provide some of that mental clarity.
0: Yeah. And even with that, like there's some days you're going to have good days in the ocean. Yeah. And some days you're going to have bad. Same thing with the weight room. Like there are times you go in the weight room and you're like, all right, this is the last thing I want to be doing right now. like. Right? Yeah. And then there's sometimes you go in there and you're just like, dude, I could put 800 pounds on the bar and I'll move that shit to the sky. Like, uh, but yeah, you just got to keep at it. Um, yeah. like anything else, you know? Yeah. Well, dude, you start- it's just oh. cool. Sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, you're good. I mean, I just, you know, you started talking about your dad and your uncle and I think the Quisenberry family, like you said, is a special family. So I feel like we got to talk a little bit about like growing up in the, in your household, with your two brothers if you can kind of tell us what that was like I, I, you know did, did everyone there surf did, did David Lee and Scotty did they get up on the on the board
0: um no so we we all learned real young um and then I got I was starting to get back into it when I was in sixth grade and I don't know if I think My older brother, David Lee, was kind of getting into it again at that age as well, but with, like, his friends. So, like, we weren't doing that together. And then Scotty just never really got into it. Um, Scotty was – he wanted to play, like, sports. Because David Lee and I are really close in age. Like, we're 18 months apart or something like that. So we were on the same team every other year and then Scotty's three years younger than me. So we didn't play on any of the same teams, but by the time Scotty was like, you know, aware of the world around him, which was very young age, he's super smart kid. (laughs) Uh, he was like, dude, I want to play like all the sports. My brothers are playing football, baseball, basketball. Um, So, Scotty got into that, and he was always huge. Like, uh, in Pop Warner football, he was a younger, heavier. There's not many of those guys around. Usually, you got the older lighters who are, like, two years older than the team they play on. But they're, like, you know, if you're playing in, like, the 150-pound league, they're, like, 135 pounds. (laughs) But they're two years older. They're just way better athlete than everybody on the field. But Scotty was the opposite. So he was always playing with dudes that are older than him, and
2: I respect that as a as a two hundred pound sixth grader. Uh, I, told yeah. it. I, re, I respect that.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think it is one of the the best things that happened to him because he, you know, he's everyone knows he's younger. He would kind of get yeah. picked on a little bit, um, in like a in like a fun loving way, but still like that. Yeah, fucking get gets annoying and he just kept at it and you know these kids are all way more developed than him just because they're older and he was able to hang and then he started like being like like noticeably like wow he's a good good football player and by the time he got to high school he I used to get pissed off at him because he would start he would say stuff like I'm gonna I'm going to play varsity as a sophomore. Like I'm going to play JV as a freshman. And I was like, dude, shut up, Scott. Like you, you don't get to talk like that. You don't like, you got to go earn that. And there's only been a handful of dudes that have ever done that at our school. Um. So it's like a big deal. And it's a big deal to like start saying that kind of stuff. Um <laughs> I just felt the need as his older brother to, like, not, like, bring him down to earth, but I guess let him know, like, the, the realities of the situations In my kids if you do that, like, that's awesome, but it's probably not going to happen because it's just so rare and, sure enough, he might have played freshman football and then, like, they brought him at the JV. I can't even remember now. I'm, but I know for a fact he was playing varsity as a sophomore, starting and like, playing offensive line, defensive line. Like, he blocked a punt for a touchdown. Was like, a sophomore? Uh, I don't know what year that was, but he was getting recruited to play, like, D-line and, and for, like, Wisconsin and shit. Like, he could have wow. played either side of the ball. He's, I think he's the best athlete out of the three of us. And he did, like, track and field, and he would throw, do all the throwing events, and then they did this – uh I what they called it. It was like the big man relay.
1: Big man big relay, relay, baby.
0: Yeah. Yeah, dude. And Scotty was just torching people. <laughs> it's um, always electric. he's a like a freak athlete. It's like, <laughs> it's well, that's like, that's all man.
2: Yeah. That's like all the big guys that like throw, uh, and, yeah. and they, what they run like a four by one relay or something. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just kind of like it. for fun. And I guess like, <laughs> yeah, actually, like someone didn't show up or he was like hurt and couldn't run. And like the real four by one, they're like, dude, We need you. (laughs) No way. A legit one before. (laughs) Yeah, like and like respectable, respectable uh, time. You know, I don't remember what it was, but like he hang, he could hang in. Um, because he's just a crazy athlete. But, but yeah, Scotty never got into surfing, and then David Lee surfs, but he doesn't surf as much as I do. Um, he probably would if you know he was, you know. (laughs) <laughs> Where, if he lived the path that I live versus yeah. the one that he's lived, but they're also super into golf, and I'm like not into yeah. golf. Like, and I, I see Scotty on t- all the time. Yeah, the only time I go golfing is when we're all together, and uh, I need I need to do that because, you know, it's just another way to spend good time with your brothers, and if my golf game, it it just be cool to like be respectable at golf to like that way we're just going out and golfing and like kind of competing and kind of more locked in on those moments. Cause a lot of times it's just like, they're teaching me shit and I'm yeah. like, fuck, I don't want you guys to be like yeah. teaching <laughs> me stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. I would really, But like, I need to get there. So it's just part of that process. But, uh,
2: did you guys yeah, get to- growing up? I was going to say, did you guys get to train together a lot? Like, I mean, I know you said the age difference, but was that, like, an important part of the household? I mean, I, I can imagine Scotty um, getting some of the benefit of kind of bringing up the caboose, like, seeing after his older brothers. But what was that
0: like? Yeah. We we definitely trained together a lot. And, and uh, growing up, like you said, with the age thing, it, it didn't really line up all the time. But, like, we were always uh... – <laughs> you know, doing something together. And then we all went to college and playing college ball and they were in the NFL and every time we were home, we'd always work out together and, you know, they'd work on their O-line stuff. Sometimes I would do, like, help them out, like, with their pass sets and I'd be, like, pass rushing them and, um, you know, just always getting together and just talking football and and working together and you know it it doesn't happen a lot because the schedules are so busy but every time we're together yeah we're we're definitely getting after it and it's it's such a cool thing to be able to still do that you know like yeah um yeah that's something i'm super fortunate about because yeah it is like what we've always done you know like ever since we were kids like dude we're still doing this kid shit like, we're literally just going...
1: We're going to work,
0: but, like... <laughs> we're going to the freaking weight room, dude, and, like, throwing weight on the bar, listening to freaking heavy metal music, getting after it, like... Going to the field and, like, running, conditioning, fucking puking, yeah. <laughs> like, doing all this shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, you just gotta love it, man. It's, it's awesome.
2: I mean, I've seen obviously seen some sick pictures of, like... You know, you guys all on the field together. Um can you can you like talk through that? Who always gotten to play against each other like in the league so far? Or I mean I and obviously uh on the same side of the ball, but
0: Yeah. My I've only played in one game. I've been on the practice squad my whole career. And I got I got elevated for two games. Uh twenty twenty one I was on the Houston Texans and it was like the game before Christmas, we are going to Jacksonville, Florida, and, like, I was going to the game, and there was a chance I was going to play. And I was like, holy shit, like, <laughs> super nervous, like, just not, like, doing everything I could to make sure I was as ready as I possibly could be. But it's it's hard as a practice squad guy because, you know, you go to the meetings and you get all the install for that week's game plan, but you don't do it in practice. Like you, yeah. you play the opponent. I was a Jacksonville Jaguar offensive tight end, fullback that week in practice. So I'm not getting the reps that we are gonna run in the game. And then at the end of the week, they're like, "Hey, you're you're coming to the game? Like you might be up." And so I was like, "God, like, all right, I gotta like really lock in." And not that I wasn't, but yeah. like. It's just a whole it takes on a whole new level. Like yeah. when you're going to the game and like you, you could be playing. So uh the GM, Nick Kisario um awesome dude. Like he's like a huge reason like why I even got into the league, but we'll get into that later. He comes back on the plane, he's like, Oh dude, there you are. I've been looking for you. He's like, Hey, you're gonna be inactive. Just wanted to give you the heads up. So I was like, Yeah, all right, cool. Like, um but I was, I was glad that he told me that because I knew now that next week uh, I had probably a better shot of being active and I'm going to use this time wisely, you know? So sure enough, next week we're playing the Chargers and like we had a bunch of dudes with COVID and shit. So they're like, yeah, you're up for sure. And so that week I was able to like kind of get on top of it um and be ready and my brother played for the charges at that that time and he was actually starting so and it was like christmas like i think it was december 26th and yeah it was my first game ever uh and my brother was on the on the other team so that was like pretty wow. insane that's awesome Because it could have happened any week you know but it just happened to be that week against my brother yeah. so that was just awesome because like i actually got to play um. And so did he. He was actually starting that week and we won the game, which was huge because anytime you get to play in a game that you win,
2: yeah,
0: it just makes everything that much better. Like yeah. The next week of practice, they lost, which actually sucked because they needed to win that game to control their own destiny for the playoffs and they mm-hmm. lost and then they went into the next week and they needed people to lose and all that stuff. Yeah, And they ended up missing the playoffs, so he was pretty bummed, but I think it was because I was on the field. Yeah, dude. <laughs> no, de- definitely not. But yeah, it was just cool to share that with him. And then later in the year we played Tennessee at home and I wasn't active for that game, but I asked the staff, I was like, Hey, and it was just kind of like it varies from team to team, whether or not like practice squad guys are on the field for the game. And, uh, with Houston, like, practice squad guys didn't dress, like, didn't go on the sidelines for games. So I was like, hey, like, it'd be, like, super cool if I could be on the sidelines, say what's up to my brother, you know, before and after the game. And they were, you know, uh very understanding of that and, like, how much that meant to me. And they let me dress like in sweats on the sideline for that one, and uh got to kick it with my brother before and after the game. I did a jersey swap with both of them, so I, you know, that's got sick. that that that's both awesome. brothers jersey swap. Yeah, so that's huge. Whenever I have a house of my own that I yeah. stay at longer than a couple months, I'll get that all set <laughs> <fed> up. <laughs> that's, that's but nice. uh, yeah, man, it, it's pretty pretty damn special. So
2: I mean dude I would love to kind of get into like the Paul Quisberry mindset now if you know
0: we we <clears> talked
2: <throat> about it but like dude that transition I mean you had you've had obviously a lot of transitions but major transitions of going, for, going from the Naval Academy to being an infantry officer going from being an infantry officer to the NFL I mean can you kind of walk us through the mindset that like enabled have it enabled you to succeed in the environments?
0: I don't I don't think it's like a one – I don't have like one mindset kind of mantra mm-hmm. that I've applied through all these different areas I've been. Um, but I guess for it all to make sense, I kind of got to go back to the beginning. Um Grew up San Diego, surfer kid, uh, played football, was like, you know, an okay football player, nothing, nothing special. I actually, like when I got to high school, I, I wanted to stop playing football and just surf. Um, <clears throat> a lot of my best friends at that time were like, they were just surfing and there was this one school in, in our town. In order to go to that school, you got, you had to be accepted through a lottery system and I applied to go there. I didn't get accepted. So and and that school didn't <laughs> did not have football. So that would effectively ended my football career if I went to that school. <laughs> um didn't get accepted. Went to the school of football. My parents told me, they'll tell you a different version of the story, but from what I remember, my parents told me, Hey, if you don't play football, you have to get a job. And I was like, fuck, I'd way rather play football than get a job. So <laughs> I was like, all right, football it is. And I ended up really having a tough time with that decision. My freshman year, I didn't actually agree to playing until like after training camp. Or maybe that was my JV year. Anyway, whatever year it was, I was really, really struggling with like, hey, serious with football. And I ended up choosing football. My coach made me like run shitload because I skipped training camp. And uh, you know, I once I paid my my punishment and like my, paid my dues that way. I got in uh, and ended up. I think became the starter like halfway through the year, and then. I was a starter on JV, and then I started my junior and senior year in high school. And started, started like becoming a decent football player, and, and uh, wasn't getting recruited a lot. Got like some handwritten letters. I remember those are a big deal. Um, big deal. Big deal. A couple handwritten letters in the in the mailbox, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna get a scholarship." Like my senior year for sure and uh my brother my older brother he did not get a scholarship to walk on um and ended up earning a scholarship and then so i was like okay if, if he can get a scholarship like that like i, I can get one of high school that's kind of the way i saw it and where did
1: up, where did david go
0: Uh he's went to san jose state yeah okay um he had an insane career there, but I ended up like not really getting recruited very heavily. Uh, and it was around November, I want to say, my senior year. Coach Johns showed up to the Navy from the Naval Academy, and uh, he wanted to bring me on a visit to the Naval Academy, and I was like, "Whoa, okay." Like, <laughs> never was on my radar, but my dad went there and. You know, the thought of serving my country was something that I always was. You know, we were raised on it, and it always meant a lot to me. So, okay, I'm I'm interested in this. You know, and then just the fact that like my dad and my mom, like with what they were able to build for us and the life we live, I think my dad would largely attribute some of that to the Naval Academy. Uh, so the like kids foundation is like jumping off point and i was like at this point like all i wanted to do is play football like i just wanted to play d1 football and beyond that i i don't know what i want to do i i just want to provide what was provided to me in the this the home environment that me and my brothers grew up in i felt like it doesn't get better than that and my dad went to the naval academy. And he was able to, to create that for us. Like that seems like a good, a good thing. <laughs> so I can go play football, build that after that, and then that's what I want to do. And uh, so I went on my visit, and you know the visits are such a go so hit or miss. For me, looking back on my visit, I was definitely exposed to the realities of the Naval Academy. But being an eighteen year old kid, he thinks he's the man. And he's just going to play college football and you're just blind to everything other than what you want to see. And what I saw at that time was going to like parties and shit on the visit and like, you know, having a great time with the upperclassmen, not seeing the the realities of the day to day. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm
1: that reminds me of my visit. When you were yeah. when you were my sponsor,
0: <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> for,
1: uh,
2: yeah, y'all got visits. Listeners.
1: I didn't get a visit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pat didn't get a visit. I didn't all, get a visit.
2: Uh, I flew my own, I flew I flew my own way there.
0: Well, that might have been a better call because you didn't get a false uh, yeah little glimpse true. of what life was gonna be. That's but true. But I th- I don't know. If Travis, correct me if I'm wrong. Right. I I don't. I tried to tell people who I hosted like hey I like, we're going to like have fun and shit but you got to know like it's also it's going to be a lot it's going to be a grind but like I I did not grasp that at that age even if it was attempted to be communicated to me so I hope I did I hope I did a better job than uh I assessed the situation as a as a recruit but uh, yeah, if not, I mean, you, if, <laughs> go ahead.
1: You painted you painted a pretty, pretty clear picture to me, but you you also left it as I mean, because going into it, I talked to people and they're like, "Oh, it's gonna suck, it's gonna be horrible," and then being around you guys, it kind of showed me that hey, it's yeah, you know, it's a grind, and you're you're gonna work your ass off every day. But at the end of the day, like you're gonna have a a group of brothers. It's like they'll be with you for the rest of your life, and that's that's kind of yeah. what I saw out of it. And regardless of the you know the parties that we went to and the fun that we had, the thing that I really saw was the brotherhood and the the family that you build from from going there. So you, you showed me oh, you yeah. showed me a good part of it.
0: All right, cool. That makes me that makes me feel good then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I wasn't wise enough at that age to accept that, which may or may not have been communicated to me. My dad definitely tried to have that talk with me. Like, hey, you know, it's not like college football partying and, you know, you're not going to have fun all the time. And I was like, yeah, dad, whatever. Like, he went there back in 1980. Like, it's changed. It's different. You know, like you don't know what you're talking about. And so I showed up. Oh, and my dad is a retired captain in the Navy. So, like, combine my naiveness and, like, thinking that it's changed with my experience to, to like, being around the military growing up. Like, my dad's a fucking 06 captain. Like, every base you go on, people are jumping on the freaking wall, like, getting out of his way, saluting him, and, like, you know, I didn't know what a captain was. I was just like, yeah, my dad's a captain. Like, I didn't understand, because I'd never, like, been in it before you know yeah so then you show up to the naval academy and it does suck well i went to the prep school first and that was terrible
1: oh, it's like uh, i dad. call that
0: the i call that the forgotten year so yeah. you don't even really have to talk about it um, <laughs> yeah i went to the naval academy prep school for a year and completed that year and then went to the naval academy and uh <laughs> kind of, like, understood, like, how the, you know, the rank structure and just general life on a military base and, like, what, what the day-to-day was like. So I was pretty well adapted or indoctrinated. And that was – the getting to the actual Naval Academy was huge because that's, like, where you wanted to be. You didn't want to be in Newport, Rhode Island any second longer than you had to. No. And uh getting to the Naval Academy was, like, oh, hell yeah. We go now. Now we're playing D one ball. It's this is where we want to be, right? That was when everything started kind of changing for me, as far as like how I want, like who I wanted to be. You know, I showed up to the Naval Academy, dude. I was like eighth on the depth chart. There was four. It was one, two, three, four, four guys. <laughs> yeah, and then when we got to five, six. Seven and eight. There was two guys on each. Yep. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I was like eleventh or twelfth in reality, and probably even deeper than that because I played outside linebacker. There's two spots, and I, there's a fucking eleven and twelve on that side too because insane. we don't have like the scholarship rules. So, like, you have, I think, what do we have, like, 130 guys on the roster? Yeah. I'm pretty sure we had, like, that's 180.
2: Insane. I'm pretty sure we yeah. had, like,
0: 180. So, everybody's deep like that. And that that's what I showed up to. And I was like, wow. Like, I thought that I was going to play. That says I will never play. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, all right, fuck it. Like, I just got to go out there and show them that bullshit you know what yeah. i mean <laughs> and uh i did not make a dent in the depth chart during plebe year uh at least during training camp and like in the season um you you okay. kind of you're still figuring it out dude like at football practice at d1 level and in the nfl like it's such a well orchestrated <laughs> And my football practices in high school were so amateur um, compared to this. Like, like as soon as you yeah. get to practice, that freaking period Run everywhere. Yeah, on, it's clockwork you're, man. You're you're going from drill to drill. Like it's so efficient, and even just grasping the operation of it as a yeah. kid who's are You're like, what? F- people. Yeah. Ju- running every which way and like they're (laughs) going where they need to go and you're like fuck where do I go yeah uh (laughs) so yeah like it's a little overwhelming at first but then you kind of figure that out and then you start just playing football and you start developing and then by spring ball uh I got I was starting to get a little bit of reps I actually actually that's not true I wasn't getting any reps but i be like three a day, which is like, oh, my yeah. God, what are you going to do with that? And there was a fumble in practice. I picked it up, and I ran it back for like 70 yards for a touchdown. And go to meetings the next day. Coach Green has that play on film. Coach Green was the defense coordinator, and he's like, I'm looking for a motherfucker who can do shit like this. <laughs> and just super – fired up and i was like oh, hell yeah like you're like yeah. that's me i got yeah. you <laughs> it's a coordinator give me a shout yeah. out i was like all right that's good and then i we go to position meetings after that and i had like moved up to like fifth i was like dang like that's wild one phone yeah now i'm gonna get some more reps and was getting a fair amount of reps and making plays um uh, especially like as a pass rusher And we – I mean, we didn't throw the ball very much, but every time we did, like, I was getting pressure. And uh, that kind of closed out the spring, and we had our spring game, and I made some plays in the spring game. And uh, it was, like, two days after the spring game, I was, like, in the locker room. Like, I had, like, a period off before lunch or something, so I was just, like, chilling, taking a nap or getting – some shit together for a class or something and uh someone comes down they're like yo quiz like coach green wants to see you i was like coach green Green wants to see me what what that's a mistake yeah i was like dude i'm about about to get roasted and uh i run up to his office what's up coach like he wanted to see me he's like quiz take a seat and this is in like the defensive staff meeting or staff meeting room with like the huge table and he's just watching film and he's watching film of the spring game. And he's like, got my shit up there and he's like laser beaming me. And he's like, (sighs) look at this inside move, spin move, like dip and rip. Like he's like, you're a good football player. It's like, I want you to play defensive end. I guarantee you, if you come back, you know, 15 pounds heavier, like you you will play for this football team next year. I was like, fuck yeah, coach. Roger that. I'm like <laughs> the weight room. I was like, hey, dude, Coach Green wants me to play DN. I need to gain 15 pounds. And uh just weight room, hammered it that whole summer and was like super diligent with my diet. Came back 15 pounds heavier and uh ended up like playing a lot my sophomore year. Um I started a few games, but definitely like played a bunch. And then my junior and senior year, started every game, uh, played a lot of football. And I didn't, I didn't even realize it at the time. Like, dang, that that was even like a long shot, you know? Like mm-hmm. where I came in, like I never saw it as like, how am I going to get to where I want to be? It was just like, oh, I got to, I got to change that. Yeah. I got to change that. And then, okay, now I'm in a position where I can get more reps and make more plays. And now, and just like really just making the most of what you had, what was available to you, and not looking like, oh, not being discouraged by like the long, the long term, like, oh, there's no way, you know? And I think that carries over in my next football. <coughs> but before that, <clears throat> go to, Quantico, TBS, uh, did not like TBS at all, did not do good at TBS. But I think TBS is very inefficient and has a lot of things that need to be improved for the overall quality.
2: For, for the people out there too, TBS is the basic school. Six months of officer training for, for mar- all Marine officers have to go through. It doesn't matter if you're going to fly planes or what. Most people – Unless you're flying planes, everyone else goes there and figures out what job they're going to get in the Marine Corps. But it's six months, a lot of time spent in the field, in the classroom, learning tactics, all that kind of stuff,
0: and a lot of time waiting around. Of time. Uh,
2: hey,
1: Paul, before I, we before we get into that, I, wanna, I do want to ask you a question about you know when you first saw your name on that depth chart, and it was the last one. You know, it was essentially the number number twelve man down on the on the depth chart. Like, how do you? how did you keep that from affecting your psyche and like keeping your drive up in that? Cause I I know we've all been in that point where we, you know, we've been counted out, we've been counted as less and, you know, it's discouraging. Like how'd you keep yourself from getting discouraged
0: from that? You know, this is like one of the coolest things about Navy football, dude. Uh, I don't think you guys, you, you didn't know him. Maybe you, maybe you've met him since, but, uh, there was this dude, Hal Hunter. Um, Hal T. He's from San Diego. He was a senior when I was a freshman. He was an outside linebacker and he was uh, on the scout team. And he found out I was from San Diego and he kind of like immediately was like, okay, we're both from San Diego kind of took me under his wing and uh, I, I would like ask him anything and, he had, you know, injuries and and uh, just coaches and not getting along with people, like getting in fights at practice and things like that that kind of derail your path as a player, right? When when you haven't solidified your role on the team and things happen to you that are setbacks, it's harder to get to where you want to be. Right. Um, and he had a a number of things like that happen to him throughout his career at the Naval Academy, but he was still there. Like a lot of those guys will leave. A lot of those guys will, will bounce and go play badminton as coach Nehemiah always would say. (laughs) And, uh, Hal didn't. And he was there every day and just learning from him. Um, and he was, he's the man, dude. He's so funny. He was out there every day, just making everybody laugh. It was fucking, he was like the the best dude to ever be on the scout team. And it was just so much fun. Like if it wasn't for him, I don't think that year would have been that fun. Mm-hmm. Um, And there's, there's a bunch of seniors like that. Every every class has them where they've, they've just been on the scout team their whole career and, they've maybe gotten in on a few games, but for the most part, like they're just, they're grinding, getting after it, smashing their body to just be a part of it. And those guys are so important to Navy football. And, uh, you know, they do a lot for so many of the young guys who are in a position like me fucking 15th on the depth chart. Um, And so, yeah, I would definitely attribute a lot of me not being worried about where I was to Hal and just the type of leader and friend that he was to me and all the other young guys on the scout team and, like, made it enjoyable. It wasn't – I didn't think about that every day. I was like, I'm going to football practice. I'm going to go laugh my ass off with Hal Hunter, you know, and, and all the other guys. And uh, I loved that. It was so cool. And then just, you know, focus on the next opportunity. And the, the next opportunity is spring ball. And, like, everyone's going to get a chance to play a little bit more in spring and show you show us what you got in spring. Um, so I kind of, like, I was excited about spring. I just, like, I'm going to go out there and just play hard as I can. And if you if you play as hard as you can – Like, you were there for a reason. Like, everyone has some sort of ability to be on that field. And if you play as hard as you can, something is going to happen where someone's going to notice this is worth our time, right? If you don't play as hard as you can, if you don't, like, play with fanatical effort and you're in a situation like I was in, you might as well not show up. Yeah. Yeah that was always natural to me, like playing football that way, because that's, that's the only way to play, you know? Um, so I was just excited to be able to go play as hard as I can and spring ball. And that's what I did. And fortunate for me, like I made one play that coach green was super fired up on. And that just changed the whole trajectory of where I was at as a player. Um, So I guess just not looking too far in front of you and really enjoying where you're at, regardless of the position. Uh, And then every day you just have to be making the moves that you make have to be oriented in the direction you want to go. Like I was having a great time at practice, laughing my ass off, but I was still working. I was still learning, developing as a football player. Um, but really just trying to own that one day. And I, and that process was like highlighted to the nth degree when I started making the transition from the Marine Corps to the NFL, but uh finished up TBS, went to infantry officers course, which is the best school I've ever been to in my life. It's, <laughs> like, it's like, uh, I tell people, like I said earlier, I wasn't the greatest student. Uh, I don't think I learned much beyond like like middle school. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't really paying attention. Um, <laughs> but I learned all the fundamentals, like, you know, basic math, arithmetic, spelling, grammar, writing, reading. even got that little typing class in. And, but yeah, once I wrapped that up, it was pretty much like, Hey, I don't have time for this homework stuff. My built, my, the foundation of my pyramid that I was building is, is pretty strong, but we didn't really get to those upper levels. We didn't really do any more work, (laughs) But, uh, but but
2: you got to IOC and you started putting that on that pyramid, huh?
0: Yeah, dude. And IOC was like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta learn the, you got to build a new foundation, and this time you have to finish the fucking pyramid. And uh, they basically teach you a new language, the language of infantry tactics at the platoon level. And by the end of that course, dude, I I was so ready to just do my job, and I was so excited because it it's just a fucking most epic job ever. You know, coordinating machine guns, rockets, mortars, um, artillery, maneuver elements of like Marine Corps rifle squads and and just like all this fucking just power at your fingertips to like move efficiently and effectively and go out there and put everyone in a position to accomplish that and seeing them accomplish that, like it's pretty – fucking gnarly and pretty you know complex and uh you know a lot of bad can happen and to go out to finish IOC and like have that level of confidence in myself to go and like do that with a group of Marines that I've yet to meet like I, I felt very prepared to take that on. And so I did that showed up to my unit and I was just I just never I can't say good enough things about the Marines that I was able to serve with dude like I had such a good such a good platoon and uh so I was just so lucky to be a part of such a great group and uh they made my job super easy um but I got so much out of it like there's dudes in my platoon from all different backgrounds all over the country, you know, and for us to like perform at the levels that we did, it just reinforced in me like a belief of that, like anything, like you could fucking do anything. Right. And while this was happening, like this was my job and this is what I was doing every day. That like belief in nothing is impossible was like always in my mind. And, uh, I, before, before I went to TBS, I actually got invited to Texans rookie mini camp in 2015 and they had me play linebacker. And I knew right then that I wasn't going to be able to play linebacker because I just, as an undrafted guy,
1: as an undrafted
0: tryout guy, my opportunities are going to be few and far between. And if I cannot perform at an NFL level, now every rep, then you're not gonna move any further along because mm. the NFL is just so ruthless. And uh you know, I was out there like unsure of what coverage I was supposed to be in and who I had, and what do I have the tight end or the back? And just very like going from defensive end to linebacker. Yeah, uh, uh, not an easy transition, especially at the NFL level. So. You know, I didn't, they didn't ask me to come back. Like I didn't get signed to the team after that trial, but I knew there was a a place for me on the football field in the NFL after that experience. So now I'm in the Marine Corps and I'm doing my thing, my platoon and I'm starting to think about football and I'm watching my brothers play and uh, my brother's in the NFL at this point and I'm watching them play and, uh some of the teams are using fullbacks and I'm watching that position pretty closely and I'm like I I could do this. I could do I could do what these guys are doing. Uh I think that's I think that's what I will do. So I kind of was like in my head I'm like yeah I'm gonna go play fullback. I gotta I gotta figure that out. And uh then and, my, and I kind of brought it up to my parents and my brothers, and they're, you know, like, dude, I think you can do it, like, supportive. But I, I didn't, like, say that I was going to do it. I was just trying to, like, get their opinion on things. And uh, then we went on deployment, and I was with Jimmy, and we were at the gym. And, like, we, we were coming up on career days. And our, our plan all along was, like, me, Jimmy, Joe, and Brandon were – going to do infantry and then go into Marsar and uh, they all three did that Marine and, special operations yeah and uh before that came my way what what we all had to do was career designation and if you like I think it's like a year into your data rank as a first lieutenant, The Marine Corps hits you up and says, do you decline or accept career designation? And if you accept it, you basically lock yourself into another like two years in the Marine Corps. Yeah. And I was like, dude, if if I do that in my head, I'm thinking if I, if I accept this, I'll be 30, I'll be 30 when I get out. And that's too old. Um I was like, you know, I, I got to get out. I, I got to decline, and then I'll be 28, and that's still, you know, by NFL standards, that's an old-ass man. But
1: And that that decision was solely off, like, you're one to play in the NFL.
0: Oh, 100%. All right,
2: that's part one of our interview with Paul Quisenberry. Come back to hear part two. Hey, team. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Sonico Project. If you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you subscribe and rate the podcast and consider sharing with someone you think would benefit from the show. Follow us on Instagram at Team Sonico. Press on and peace out. Patent traffic.